Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and oh no, not in front of the salad. <laughs> Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. Doubt! Exclamation mark. Worry! <laughs> Question mark? Darling? <laughs> Winky emoji. <laughs> I figured out the title. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. I'm Jeff Kanata, and I prefer honey or sweetheart or even babe. <laughs> All right. (laughs) Those are, of course, all very vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Don't Worry, Darling, the new film by Olivia Wilde that has been mired in controversy, but still had a solid opening at the box office this weekend. Lots to dive into there. Looking forward to it, to doing that with you guys. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah. Can I just say, uh, I wanted to comment on your uh, your little opening there. Uh, it reminded me, that the moment that you're referencing, yeah. uh, reminded me of that scene in uh, The Odd Couple, Neil Simon's The Odd Couple, when he goes, now it's garbage. You know that scene? You remember that, that scene? That, well, I was actually trying to uh, allude to the meme right in front of my salad. Have you heard of that oh, meme? Oh, no. Don't know that there, one. I've never Google, seen that meme. If huh. you Google right in front of my salad, you'll find huh. the meme that I was trying to trying to get to. But yeah. Well, anyway. I, I, I understood the scene from the movie that <laughs> yes. you may have been referencing, <laughs> and it made me think of, now it's garbage. <laughs> You can support this podcast and this tomfoolery that you're hearing at patreon.com slash film podcast. Today, we got some more we've been watching first, but before we get to that, there are a couple of uh, film news items that I want to discuss with you guys. First of all, I want to describe to you this item as I experienced it, okay? On September 3rd, uh, a few weeks ago, I made the following tweet at Dave Chensky, Dave Chensky, why? Quote, why hasn't there been a new Final Destination movie? Why the hell aren't aren't people even trying? Yeah. This is one of the most culturally relevant franchises of all time. A whole generation of people trying to avoid driving behind logging trucks, and you're telling me you can't try to milk this thing? End quote. Uh-huh. I tweeted. I tweeted that out. Okay. <laughs> definitely a banger tweet, but you know one yeah, of my best. Definitely. Very good. Also, yeah. the sign of somebody who has not watched the uh, the Ryan Murphy show Nine One One, which is basically just uh, Final mm. Destination, but with uh, you know cops and firefighters. Well, uh, a lot of people pointed out that apparently they are working on it. Um, yeah, <laughs> there were a couple of things. Uh, a couple stories that broke like a couple months ago in July. The franchise creator was talking about a possible Final Destination Six. Um, I said I choose to believe I manifested this. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Even you, though I did, David Chen, uh, uh, fan of milking a franchise until it's far past dead. That's <laughs> oh, a, totally. I love that. I, I, vowed... I, I certainly I've never complained interminably about that in the past. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Um, but you know well, what? Just justice for James Wong. Justice for this franchise. At its best, Final Destination was was some great stuff. Yes. Well, it turns out that there is going to be a Final Destination 6. And not only that, but the people who are directing it are actually listeners of this podcast. What? Yeah. It was announced. You really manifested this, huh? Wow. (laughs) Uh, Hollywood Reporter has the headline, Final Destination 6 finds its directors in freaks, filmmakers. The directors, um, Zach Lepofsky and Adam Stein, directed this movie Freaks that mm-hmm. briefly charted on Netflix. It was one of the top 10 movies in the country on Netflix for a little bit of time. So it's a low-budget sci-fi thriller in 2018. Uh, really fun movie. And they have now 
nabbed the coveted gig of directing Final Destination 6, uh, which is going to be a relaunch of New Line Cinema's horror franchise. I'm reading from the Hollywood Reporter mm. story. Now, At that point, just call it Final Destination. I feel like we, we've looped all, all the way back around like Scream, right? Uh, yeah, well, I think they are. I think I, I want to say they already did that, Devendra. Yeah, I, I think they already did yeah. like the final destination. That was four, that. right? Yeah. Hmm. Um, so I think they can't do that again. But anyway, uh, I will say, yeah, it was the final destination was final destination right. four. So they pulled right. a fast and furious style retitling for for final destination four. Um, but a couple things. First of all, Adam Stein, one of the directors. Like put me on blast on Twitter and basically said, um, <laughs> basically quote tweeted that tweet I said. It was like it was incredibly difficult to not say anything when David Chen tweeted this like three weeks ago. Um, yeah. So uh, he what really kind wanted of to... losers are just sitting on this franchise. <laughs> the world wants to know. He really wanted to rub that in my face, and as yeah. well he should have. As well he should have. Um, the other thing that I wanted to point out, and I thought Jeff, you'd really appreciate this, uh, is that how they made the pitch to be the directors of the franchise. Now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, people who may not be familiar with how Hollywood works is like a lot of times you're pitching movies right, right, in right. a room. You're going into a room with like executives and you're describing your vision for the movie. Sometimes people bring visual aids. Uh, obviously, in the COVID era, a lot of the pitching has taken place in uh, over Zoom. And... Uh, I'm going to read here from the article. According to sources, the duo were already in line to get the gig when one final Zoom pitch meeting became what some in Hollywood call the Zoom call to end all Zoom calls. (laughs) The duo made their pitch to New Line executives and producers together with a burning fireplace behind them. As they wrapped up the meeting, the fire came alive and the mantle became burning. The filmmaker stopped... The filmmakers stopped and after a tense moment, quickly extinguished the flames. As they sat down, everyone relieved the accident had passed. A wrenching creak was heard and suddenly the whizzing ceiling fan broke off and flew down, decapitating one of the filmmakers. Uh, The execs and producers went from concern to all out laughter. The bit using a combination of pre-recorded footage and visual effects had Mm -hmm. transitioned seamlessly and showed their unabashed enthusiasm. It was to all involved. The cherry on top. And that's baller. That's how that you is do it. baller. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, Final Destination is coming back, baby. And I'm so excited. That's great. Uh, you know, and these, I've, I've talked to these gentlemen, I've interviewed them for Culturally Relevant. They are super nice guys, really thoughtful, really smart. And obviously, they love Final Destination as, as mm-hmm. much as I do. And uh, I don't know what your guys' relationship is to this franchise. I have seen every Final Destination yeah. movie, some multiple times. I, I've, um, it's mainly the first two is what I'm basing my yeah. fandom on. Because yeah, the first the two others, are great, are great yeah. movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some of the other ones are, are pretty rough. Jeff Kanata, mm-hmm. you have any thoughts on the Final Destination films? Oh, you don't want to know this. <laughs> I do want to know. Yes. Hit me, Jeff. Hit me, Jeff. <laughs> I've never seen a Final Destination. What? Movie. What? Yeah, I've okay. never, not, never not seen even Final that. Destination one. Never, which is wow. a classic. Nope. We're gonna have to fix this because I, I, I want an excuse to talk about Final Destination two, which is a legit masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if there's an After Dark where we cover every oh, single yeah. Final Destination. Oh yeah, we're, we're <laughs> I mean, gonna do this. Now. I gotta say, I gotta tell you, like three through five, there's some pretty That's challenging. Right. That's one like... episode. That's one episode <laughs> of size, basically. <laughs> well, one and two, good yeah. stuff. So, it so like I, I've yeah. just been assigned my own final destination. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, uh, congrats to Zach and uh, Adam. Huge news. I can't wait to see the movie. They should and, title it yeah. the finalist destination. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just add mm-hmm. a question mark to the end. Yeah. That would definitely fit in with. That would definitely fit in with the uh, 
the aesthetic of the show, the films. I, I mean, look, they're they're extremely silly movies, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's all about how do you kill people in the most elaborate way possible? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's kind of meta. It kind of deconstructed the way horror movies work. It's just like. Yeah, things are trying to kill you. Anything can kill you. And it's all like supernaturally charged. It's it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really love the movies and and it's all about the elaborate death scenes. That's what mm-hmm. it is. You you go to Final Destination movies to see elaborate death scenes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, if if the movie delivers on that front, nothing else in the movie matters. Now, it, you know, good character development, memorable characters, those are bonuses. I'd love to have those. But you got to have the memorable death scenes. Otherwise, uh it's not really a Final Destination movie, but in any case, looking forward to it, and uh, congrats again. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, there is an article. Uh, let, let's move on to another piece of film news. Now, we have talked in the past about how James Cameron is a loose cannon when it comes to the PR, guys. <laughs> he he DGAF. He zero, yeah. Zero uh, knobbies to, to give. Yeah, yeah. in that position. He Doesn't does not he... care. He This is a man who does not adhere to your timelines for promotion of things. Um, he does not. Have, he does not have talking points, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Um, no one, can, no, like he. You know, a lot of people go into these interviews like, okay, you need to. A PR specialist would sit with the person and be like, you need to hit these talking points, or don't talk about this. He, this man cannot be controlled. He cannot be contained. He's going to say whatever the f he wants. That's right. A new article at the New York Times reiterates this notion. The headline mm-hmm. of the article: The new improved James Cameron wants to reintroduce you to Avatar. And we talking all about yeah, sub sub. That's sub why. Head, uh-huh, uh-huh. We'll we'll talk about that soon. But sub headline before the se- release of the sequel, Avatar: The Way of Water, the iconoclastic filmmaker explains why he's bringing the first film back to theaters, and it goes into kind of the making of the film and him reflecting on uh, the previous film, uh, his previous films, and and wh- whether he would have done things differently. Uh, and I just wanted to read this quote from the article because it's incredible uh the question from david itzkoff even with everything you had accomplished before making avatar were there still elements that you had to fight the studio to keep in it and james cameron says quote i think i felt at the time that we clashed over certain things for example the studio felt that the film should be shorter and that there was too much flying around on the ikran what the humans call the banshees. Well, it turns out that's what the audience loved the most in terms of our exit polling and data gathering. And that's a place where I just drew a line in the sand. And I said, you know what? I made Titanic. This building we're meeting in right now, this new half billion dollar complex on your lot, Titanic paid for that. So I get to do this. Yeah. I want my flying dragons, okay? And guess who was right? (laughs) Guess who was right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And afterward, they thanked me. I feel that my job is to protect their investment, often against their own judgment. But as long as I protect their in- investment, all is forgiven, end quote. I thought that was interesting that he kind of, you know, this is a, obviously a sentiment that we've heard a lot of mm-hmm. a filmmaker needs to protect the investors from themselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The investor's trying to dumb it down or make it more palatable to wide audience. And the filmmaker's job is to be like, no, uh, you need to do it this way. Trust mm-hmm. me, it's going to be better off. It's, it's a good instinct, you know, I, I think because he recognized people want the, the journey. People want the ride of this movie. And literally the ride. That yeah. will go into my thesis when we re- review this movie. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, even James Cameron, who made the number one grossing film of all time at that point in time, uh-huh. still, ha- still had to deal with that. You know, yeah. like, it, James Cameron's obviously- like, I've been to the deepest depths of the ocean. I have seen shit. Don't. Yeah. Give me my <laughs> flying dragons. Come on. Yes. Yes, yes. 
Uh, also, another quote. What do you think has changed about the movie industry in the years since its, re its release? James Cameron says, quote, the negative factors are obvious. We've got a turn of the world toward easy access in the home. And that has, that has to do a lot with the rise of streaming in general and the pandemic, where we literally had to risk our lives to go to the movie theater. On the positive side, we see a resurgence of the theater experience. People are craving that. We're still down about 20% from pre-pandemic levels, but it's slowly building back. Partly it's been because of the dearth of top titles that people want to see in a theater. But Avatar is the poster child for that. This is the type of film that you have to see in a theater, end quote. Mm -hmm. Now, people are probably aware that Avatar was re-released this last weekend. Uh, some It was remastered. Apparently some minor changes were made to frame I, rates and yeah, visual Yeah, apparently they, they brought in HFR high frame rates into some scenes, which I nobody was talking about before. That's weird. That, that That's was surprising. Weird. Isn't, isn't it weird? Yeah. Isn't it weird? It's, it's wild because he, James Cameron has been talking about that for like a decade because he was interested in what they were doing with The Hobbit, but it was like, maybe not for the whole movie, you know, because it may make the whole movie look terrible. Um, but I did see it in theaters. And I think I saw some of those scenes. I got to double check. It's hard to tell if you yeah. even saw it. So Devendra the, saw, mm -hmm. oh, go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. I would say part of the joy of it being re-released is uh, my Twitter uh, mentions right now. Uh, it's amazing. Uh -huh. It's wonderful to see how uh -huh. many people uh -huh. are like, I want watched it again and it's incredible. And I was brought back. I hadn't seen it since it was in theaters. And it, I, it's been so awesome to see how many people have reached out to me to yeah. share their It turns love out people like the wildly popular movie. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, the yeah. wild. Yeah. Okay. All right. It, my, my thesis, Jeff, is that if well, we go a year after the release of the sequel, we'll, Will any of that stick? Like that's that's the question, and I feel like I have cemented my feelings about this movie quite a bit after rewatching it well, in theaters. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff, you basically, I think what Devinder's trying to say is, um, you can you can have your opinion reaffirmed everywhere outside of the film cast. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Here, sure. here, it is basically the Thunderdome of Avatar opinions. <laughs> you know, um, well, no, it's, I, it's fun. It's a fun movie. It's a fun yeah. time. Fun two hours and forty five minutes. <laughs> in the theater um i will say this uh if you have the opportunity you should probably go see this if you have kids who and people who didn't get a chance to see it in theaters originally i think it's a it's a good remaster it's a good use of 3d because we're not really seeing that anymore and uh you know there, there's a lot about this movie that is really really great but i will say this watching it again and this is the only only the second time i've watched this movie because every time i've tried to watch avatar at home i get just bored i just can't i can't go i can't keep going um I'm reminded of when I went to Universal Studios as a kid in the like mid '90s, and I saw the Terminator 3D thing. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. Yeah, mm. yeah, I think so. Yeah, a little bit of a 3D experience. You could only see it at Universal, I believe, and uh, it was never like footage was never released anywhere, and it was a great experience. And I love that experience. I loved having that and being able to go there and see that. And that was good 3D for back then too. Just a lot of fun. Um, I was reminded a lot of that. When I went back to rewatch Avatar and my full opinions will be for the episode when we re-review it. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. But what I'm hearing is you, you had a blast and it was one of the, I had a blast during this, during this ride. Yes. Seminal experiences of your entire life is kind of what I'm hearing. Um, uh, so you, you heard it. Was it definitely a you, fun ride. You heard it here folks. Okay. Yeah. My takeaways from what Devinder's saying, Jeff Kanata are definitely go see Avatar again. Yes. And yeah. it was one of the most important seminal experiences of his entire life yeah, seeing avatar yeah. again in that, that's what yeah. i'm saying yeah that's, that's the takeaway right is that, that the takeaway tracks. yeah am that, i i'm not here that's things, consistent right? with the last uh five years of discourse we've had about it no oh, yeah totally the discourse <laughs> and i won't let's save this for the actual yeah, episode. we'll save it we'll save it for the, the discourse episode, is yeah. about what we remember and what we recall of it yeah. and maybe it doesn't matter basically like that's the thing maybe it doesn't matter if 
we we just have no lasting cultural memory of it because what matters is you go to the theater and you sit down you're like oh avatar's cool and then you leave and you're like brain wiped you know you're just like oh i can't have this experience anymore i can't have this experience at home i just can't avatar is a thing i can only really visit i can only go to pandora in the theater mm-hmm. yeah, mm, i yeah. On that note, I do want to call out that Avatar made uh, over $10 million at the box office. Yeah. This it was number three, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 30 yeah. globally. Yeah, and uh, this is, uh, according to Scott Mendelson, who I do a weekly Twitter space on Sundays with, uh, this is the highest amount that a re-release has made since 2013's re-release of Jurassic Park in 3D. Wow. I don't know if you guys remember that, but I think yeah, that movie made a little bit more money than that. I think yeah. it made around $17 million, if I recall correctly. Anyway, um, but yeah, people are still aboard the Avatar train, guys. People are yeah. still aboard the Avatar still train. Good. Well, also, and a whole a whole generation of kids have not seen this, right? They or yeah. they've only seen it like at home, maybe. So, I think it's a complicated conversation because I think the movie as a narrative is a mess, to be honest. So okay. we will talk well, about that. And I do want to just call out: we will be talking about Avatar, uh, Avatar the re-release, as our main review next week on the podcast. So you can mm-hmm. look forward to that. Uh, and anyway, just wanted to mention yeah. those few things. Go, go see it. Like my, my thing is go see it. Even if I don't think it's a great movie at this point. Yeah. The other thing that he mentions in that article, uh, that I found interesting is that you know, he got to bring his kids to see it. And he said, I, you know, it was the first time I got to bring my kids to see it in a, you know, in a big screen with, with great projection and, and good, um, lighting and, 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 the, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, here we are. 12 years is it since that movie years, man. has come out and there's still no way for me to know how which movie theater will deliver me that experience yep it's true i i hate the fact that it's just i will go i will pay for a ticket i have no idea the quality level of the mm-hmm. actual projection system well, in play in that case you could you just go imax right if you, if you that that's the whole reason these theaters these special theaters exist imax bi- big screen bright screen dolby cinema big screen bright like that's the main thing any other theater you don't know it's, it's well a yeah thing. but i mean yeah. even even that to that extent there is variation between instances there's sure, not sure. there's not a a way to be assured that the brightness is, is up to par for 3d for example um it, sh- it should be like that's the whole point of IMAX. Like that was the big their big selling point. Even even the IMAX stuff. I'm not going to debate. Like, oh, you only have to go to the the main, you know, the giant IMAX screens. They do calibration. They they're supposed to do like weekly testing. I think even more often. So IMAX should be delivering what you want, Jeff. But, but Jeff, I, I think you're you're, you're just complaining that there's not like a spec sheet for yeah a, a yeah. yeah there's not right? a yeah, using. Yeah. It's one I, of my I, biggest. I, honestly, it's one of my biggest uh, worries about moving away from Los Angeles mm-hmm. because you know it's such an industry town that. Even there, there was variation, and you could find really crappy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. inside what is ostensibly a good theater. You could find a crappy projector or one that's set at a low brightness yeah. or whatever yeah. the case yeah. is that gives you a subpar experience. And it, and that was an industry town where I felt like it was at least there was a, you know attention to that. Mm-hmm. Um, moving away from Los Angeles, I've often worried, and I've often had the experience of going to different theaters here in the Denver area where. The projection yeah, quality, yeah. just like I remember I saw, I think it was um, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It was really dimly lit. And that's a very dark yeah. film. Mm-hmm. 
It's a, um, it's, it's a general, if you go to like a normal screening room, you know, or a normal like theater, like who knows? It's a crapshoot. I had to, as Avatar was starting, I had to run back to the front and get customer service because the lights were on full blast in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. We've all, we've all tangled with this in Boston. I went yeah. to the Boston Commons Theater and there was actually a press coverage about this. I, I think I told you guys about this at the time. I went to go see this movie called Hall Pass, uh, directed by the Farrelly Brothers, I believe, right? You guys remember that movie? Yeah. And I was going to interview the Farrelly Brothers uh, for, was it the Farrelly Brothers or one of them? I don't recall. Um, I was going to interview at least one of them for SlashFilm.com. Um, and I was in the theater. Uh, yeah, it was the Farrelly Brothers. And I was in the theater watching the movie with the Farrelly Brothers. And one of the Farrelly Brothers comes up to me and he's like, this this looks really really dark. Like, I don't think <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think it's supposed to look Can like you that. Do and, something about it, yeah. random yeah. reporter guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, what ended up ha- what what the truth that came out was that, um, basically this was around the time that 3D was a big deal because of mm-hmm, movies like mm-hmm. Avatar, and so people would just leave the 3D lens on top of the project, uh, like it's, on it's the so projector, annoying. which yeah. would have the amount of light that's coming out of it. Yeah, uh, and so that's why it was looking super dark. So anyway, it happened all the time in New York too. It's it's a pain. Yeah. D- Jeff, I'm just glad at this point that we don't have 3D lenses sitting on projectors. So this is yeah. my standard. To this well, point, you're so. that's your fault for not watching Hall Pass in 3D. That's, it's, it's so it's true. true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, it's we, so we we've. Uh, it's funny because we've solved that problem by killing 3D movies. Yes. I oh, just but think, no, no it's more. Come back. But it's going to come no back, Devendra. It's going to come back after. Uh, watch uh, watch 3D get a big resurgence after mm-hmm. Avatar: The Way of Water. Wait, well, uh, another yeah. thing, there is a little. There's a short clip. From Way of Water at the end of this Avatar re-release. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to ask, Jeff. Yeah. Like, there I'm is a so post-credit scene with Avatar: The Way of Water. Like, are you going to break your no trailer? You should. You should see is that it a scene. trailer or is it like it's, a little? It's a scene. It's a, it's scene. a scene. It, it feels like away plot. It, a, it feels like this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe style. Like, it's not a scene. It's a scene s- that does not give away plot. So I, a, I, but it, does it seem like a scene from the yes, movie you're going to see? Yes, a scene from the movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that's a bummer. I want it to be a scene that's not in the movie. That's mm-hmm. like a you want them to make to the this movie. thing. You want them to make something exist. custom for your yeah. unsullied that's what they lifestyle. Do. That's what they do. You know what I mean? Who, that's what they who's do. They? Who's they? When, when is the last time that was done? Marvel. Yeah. That's the Marvel thing, right? Is they put a little scene yeah. that bridges they, they you to the next Charlie's movie. They put Charlie's Theron jumping oh, out I of see, a... I see, yeah. I see, gotcha, I see, I, I gotcha, gotcha. The whole yeah. post credit scene phenomenon is that. Yes. Some. I mean, sometimes they do use scenes from the next movie, but yeah, you're right. This is you're not right. post-credit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but not, anyway, I do want to show out that scene. Beautiful. Beautiful mm-hmm. stuff. Like there is a there's a clear difference in the 3D tech and also I think the rendering tech for the Navi and just the way water is rendered. It, lo- it looks real. It looks fully real. So I think I, I'm excited for Wave Water as a like visual experience, but I am worried again narratively about that movie, especially having having lived through the story of Avatar One again. All right. It's it, mark my words. I, I, it'll it's be gonna very blow successful, I'm sure everyone away. It's gonna be incredible. Yep. I've been saying it for an actual decade. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Let's uh I mean just, right. just be ready to talk about like the things that aren't great about Avatar Jeff, because I, oh, I, I have, my Let list me... has grown quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, now yeah, listen, yeah. listen. Yeah. I, you you remember when uh we did the I think maybe it was just you you and I, Dave. We did the the trailer review. Yeah. I was critical I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be falsely uh glowing i but you know i'm also gonna sing praise where it is deserved so i, mm-hmm. I i'm you know yep 
All right. I, will, well, I think for once we need to clarify what the discussion is because I think it keeps getting confused too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we will have that discussion next week here on the Filmcast. Let's take a quick oh, break. Yeah. Oh. Mark your calendars for the skippable episode of the Filmcast. <laughs> <laughs> After sitting through Avatar for another three hours. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Thank a sponsor. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm going to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor. Click up. Click up. Click up. What would you do with one extra day every week? Can you imagine it? Can you imagine it? You could uh, watch more shows. Binge that good TV. You get the uh, play video, video, video games. That's what I'd do. Work on your novel. Get some more stuff done. Hey, maybe even cook some more healthy meals. Now it is all possible with ClickUp, the productivity platform that'll save you one day a week on work, guaranteed. ClickUp began with the premise that productivity was broken. Broken, I said. There were too many tools to keep track of, too many things in separate ecosystems. There had to be a more productive way to get through the daily hustle. ClickUp is the one tool to house all your tasks, all your projects, all your docs, your goals, your spreadsheets, and more. ClickUp is built for teams from one to over a thousand, and it is packed with features and customization options that no other productivity tool has so that you can work the way you work best. Whether you're in product management, engineering, sales, marketing, or HR, ClickUp has easy-to-use solutions that create a more efficient work environment. Join the more than 800,000 highly productive teams using ClickUp today. Use code FILMCAST to get 15% off ClickUp's massive unlimited plan for a year, meaning you can start reclaiming your time for under 5 bucks a month. Sign up today at ClickUp.com and use code FILMCAST. Hurry! This offer ends soon. That is C-L-I-C-K-U-P.com. Click up. And the promo code F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. All right, folks. Let's get to what we've been watching this week. Divinia Hardware, you had a chance to see Andor along with Jeff Kanata this week, right? Well, we I didn't did? watch it together. I wish we had. That would have been, that would fun. been fun. I yeah, said like, along. I said along with not physically in the presence alongside. But anyway, you both watched theater. Yeah, you both watched Andor on Disney Plus. Uh, the first three episodes debuted last week. It's going to be uh, releasing mm-hmm. week to week. Uh, you saw one episode. Jeff saw three. Yeah. Given your, what was your reaction to Andor? Well, actually, I want to. I want to set it up better. But um, this week, oh, I, I saw a movie about a uh, a lone fixer man who, who has a certain amount of skills uh waging war against a, a governmental conspiracy of some kind but enough about Jason Bourne but enough about <laughs> Michael Clayton all of Tony Gilroy's movies basically uh and or and or is that all over again I, I, I thought it was hilarious that it basically he fits into uh the Jason Bourne and uh and it's Jason Bourne in the Star Wars universe. Basically, basically it. It's ba- it yeah. even has like the similar scene of the cops uh, coming in and being, you know, him him being um, kind of afraid of his own skills and what he's capable of. It's just funny to see those beats repeat themselves. I like the show. I like the first episode I saw. I I love Diego Luna in uh, in Rogue One. I think the character was interesting. Um, I don't. I, I was like confused about like how they would do this as a prequel right like what we kind of know how it all ends for him um and we kind of know like even his initial story in rogue one was was basically just like a 
a little footnote in in the history of Star Wars. So to see where it goes, I I still have no clue based on one episode. I think it looks very cool. It doesn't feel like a Star Wars show. Like the opening scene is basically getting into a strip club. Like a, a full on strip a, a club, space right? Brothel, space brothel, I believe. Space brothel. Yeah. Actually, so, even 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 more so. Yeah. Um, I think you it has a really saying, good Lisa gonna fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff. Never. You've really been holding that one in. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you cannot do that again on the podcast. Oh, okay? sorry. Okay. That was my jar jar. Content warning before that. That was my jar jar impression. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, Jeff, uh, you saw the first three episodes. And I'll just say, Devendra, glad you're enjoying it so far. I really think the first three episodes are meant to be viewed together. Yeah, probably um, all together. Because they, the they first kind of episode like, is, is sort of yeah. like, hey, the, these are people and it ends. It's the setup. Yeah. yeah the, the, first kind of, the, setup. the first three episodes makes kind of like a, it's like a movie in mm-hmm. and of itself. It's kind of its yeah. own arc. Yeah. Um, so, Jeff Kanata, you having seen the first three episodes... What is your reaction to Andor on Disney Plus? Uh, this is the Star Wars that I've been pining for f- for actual decades again. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I tweeted this uh, after watching them, but I'll reiterate it here. I, I <laughs> this is what the pre the uh, the sequel trilogy could have been. It, this is what. Uh, the force awakens could have brought to the table. Mm-hmm. The thing I love most about Andor is that in three episodes of this show, the first three episodes of this show, there's not a single stormtrooper, There's not a single lightsaber. There's it's all new iconography, all new visual ideas, all new setting planets. I've never heard of factions. I've never heard of new stuff, new ideas. It makes the entire universe of Star Wars feel bigger and more interesting with more details and more texture. And it, it you know, and instead Force Awakens is like, hey, off screen where you weren't, when you weren't looking, everything reset and it's exactly the same again. It just has <laughs> new names. Stormtroopers, you know, the first order is the Empire. And you all the stuff that you got excited about when we blew up the Death Star at the end of Return of the Jedi and thought we won the war, the Star War, guess what? It didn't matter because it's all the same again. And that you don't even get to see how. It just it just ended up that way. It just that's all off screen. It, it's anyway, I don't mean it to be a referendum on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a Force Awakens, but the more I think about a Force Awakens, the more I hate that movie. It, it's kind of doing what the what the sequels never could right because they had to everybody had to love them they had to give you the full general audience star I think wars that's vibe. A cop out yeah I, yeah, a- I mean it's fair jeff but like i completely agree with you jeff that yes. like the force awakens from a plot perspective undoes so much and therefore and for that reason makes the previous movies less interesting right like i i agree completely and i i i also look back on it not very positively anymore because of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. However, however, it's easy to forget the bleakness of what Star Wars fans felt at the time The Force Awakens had come out. I think yeah. Yeah. The, the the prequel trilogy had been incredibly disillusioning to a lot of people. To me. And to see something that looked like, quote-unquote, like Star Wars, that felt, quote-unquote, like Star Wars at the time, even if it was rehashing a bunch of the old plot beats, 
um, it did help to bring people back into the fold mm-hmm. uh, in a way that it might not have been if you had opened with like <laughs> episode seven and it was like and or episode one, you know, it's, and, it's, and or like slowly walking well, through the slums, you know, right. like it's, it's, it's like a whole new group of people. You know, it's mm-hmm, just, it just mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with, with you. It's, okay. like, it's a complicated right, that's, task. That's fair. That's fair. I'm yeah. just I'm just saying I have more sympathy because of how it, the enormity of the task back mm-hmm, then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's certainly. A, it, yeah, it, go ahead. It's go ahead. Inc- I think that's a cop out. And I think it is a, an incredibly safe, uninteresting. I, um, Jeff Andor wouldn't exist if the Force I, Awakens wasn't the way it was, basically, or that, at least like wasn't a huge hit. That's that, that's that a is a thing. counterfactual yeah. that's impossible to prove. Okay, okay. Right. but, well, but Jeff, yeah. Jeff, finish. Finish. I want to hear what Jeff has to say about it. Go ahead, Jeff. I, I got. By the way, I I, I sound probably um, <laughs> more annoyed at this than than I should be because I literally have had this conversation three times now. Uh, and I, <laughs> one of them via text with like all my friends, and one of them on Twitter, and it's like th- these are the same points that I've heard over and over. And mm-hmm. which isn't to discount them, I think you guys are making <laughs> the points that I've heard before because they are solid points to make. Mm-hmm. I just vehemently disagree with with that stance. Like there was an opportunity that. Let sure, me say this. Sure. There's a lot of stuff in a force, and I, we don't need to relitigate this, but here we go. Um, there's a lot of stuff in, a, in the Force Awakens that is very, very good. I think the casting is phenomenal, and there's so many fun moments in that movie. It's not a terrible movie. It, it's just the biggest missed opportunity in the history of cinema, in my opinion. I think what it could have done, what it could have done is introduce into the star wars lexicon into the star wars visual language an entire new set of exciting wonderful things say what you will about george lucas's prequels and i will because there's a lot of awful awful decisions he made Mm -hmm. one of the things he was willing to do and did over and over and over in those movies is introduce really interesting new stuff completely new ideas, completely new locations, completely new visual language in the Star Wars world. And J.J. Abrams does almost zero of that. It is completely safe, banal, uninteresting, the, just a different name for the same stuff. The First Order is the Empire. There's, no, there's almost zero difference. I, I, the, the thing, and I've heard this complete a lot since that movie came out, which I, I still really like, Guys, Italy just elected a full-on fascist prime minister. History repeats itself, and it does it quite often. So I looking but it, at but it repeated itself at Force Awakens kind of through that lens, though, and just seeing like, oh man, it's what makes a difference. Does any of this make a difference? I thought that was interesting, and it's not like they followed it up just by being safe. Like Force Awakens was followed up with Last Jedi, which took a lot of chances, and then I the fandom the still will not stop crying about that. I love the Last Jedi. I, yeah. You but, know me, but the, he, you he, see what happens. Like even if like in the big mainstream movies, they try to be a little different. It's just fanboy whining. So well, how amazing would it have been if if the Force Awakens had had all this news in the way Andor does, where it's like there's a an oppressive. I want to. I want to know what you listen, think about Listen, this listen, show. listen. What I'm saying. Yeah. The, there's an oppressive police presence, but they look different. They behave different. They're they're. It's a it's a new faction. It's it's stuff that we've never really seen before. This inner workings of this planet is slightly different. It's it's new ideas. And then at the end of Force Awakens, you have you know you have this Kylo character who's trying to recapture all that stuff. And at the end, he like brings a bunch of soldiers in, opens a locker, and is like, "Here's your new uniforms." And it's stormtroopers. It's like, oh shit. They are, it is coming back. Instead of like frame one of 
the the Force Awakens is like a shit ton of stormtroopers standing there doing stormtrooper stuff. It's like, oh, nothing matters of what we saw. We're just resetting the table in the same anyway. Well, I, Jeff, I, I just I'll, I'll just paraphrase uh, Raylan Givens, okay, <laughs> and say uh, I'll say, uh, hey, if you meet someone in the morning and he has a bad Star Wars opinion. You met someone in the morning who had a bad Star Wars opinion. But if you meet people all day who have bad Star Wars opinions, you're the one that has a bad Star Wars opinion, Jeff. Anyway. Oh. I mean, let's talk about the show. I just want to talk about that's the hard. show. Let's go, let's go back to the so episode to do this. Yeah. yeah what's yeah. so great about Andor is that it shows that that's possible. And that is why it accentuates my, to quote Dave Chen, bad Star Wars opinion. Um, it it shows hey that was possible and i do not think i do, i reject the notion that it was only possible because we endured the the same rehash over again like george lucas didn't think that you know empire george lucas could do whatever he wants like they were desperate for anything by that point like he he was like james cameron like he could just write his own ticket for whatever he wanted so it's a i'm more looking at i'm not saying i i think force Wickens is perfect I, I wish um, I, I agree. I wish it could take more chances. I'm looking realistically at like how Disney and also Marvel, by the way, has done this stuff. Marvel only took chances after what, like 20 plus movies, you know, of really uh, setting up the MCU mold and everything. And now things are finally getting a little different. I think that's uh, that's that's demonstrably false. The, is that the first, okay. Mar the first okay. Marvel movie cast Robert Downey Jr. as Where, its main Davindra, you are you are now you're now Jeff is now catching strays from Davindra's opinion. Like, I'm, let's, I'm sorry. let's not even talk about the MCU right now. OK, yeah, let's yeah. go. Let, what I'm we can saying, all agree this on is the way the business works. Unfortunately, uh, the first uh, female superheroes, the first movies talk about superheroes who aren't just white dudes like, come on. It took a long time, Jeff, and it kind well, of took the setup of that to get at, to get there. So here's what we can all agree on: Andor is awesome. It's great. <laughs> right, it's it's great. Right, it's and, great. And it's 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 what it's the spark of life that this entire IP needs, and I I really hope it continues that trajectory through its entire run. And it wasn't just a great first three episodes, you know. It's been interesting to see the coverage of Andor as well. Like a, a lot of people framing it as like, can can this guy stay save Star Wars? You know, and it's like, I, my, from my outside view, seems like Star Wars is doing just fine. Like a lot of people love mm -hmm, mm -hmm. things like Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, but I will say that Andor is a show that is has gotten me back into Star Wars as someone who I thought who thought that could never happen again. Like as someone who thought mm -hmm. this is a show, a series that's just going to repeat itself over forever, over and over again forever. Um, as Jeff put it, new ideas, new characters, new concepts, an interest in the actual politics of this world that none of the other movies have shown. Um, you get a sense of the texture of what it is yeah. like to be on one of the outer planets. Yeah. To be, and, and also actually like- feel like outer planets. Right. And, and this idea of, uh, corporations are the ones that are doing the law enforcement, uh, which obviously is something that uh, is has a parallel with our world in many ways as well. Our world the corporatization so sci-fi too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The corporatization of sci-fi and and uh, oh, I'm sorry of uh, corporatization Policing. of law enforcement and mm -hmm. and, and the military. Um, and uh, and what is it like to be in like a, a an outer planet that belongs to the empire, but like. Uh, but they're they're not there all the time, you know. Mm -hmm, they they mm -hmm. can only be there sometimes. And like, what's that? What is that dynamic? And that, by the way, is something Firefly did very well. And I am getting a lot of Firefly vibes mm -hmm, from the show. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like that yeah, the yeah, sort yeah. of like space westernness of it is definitely more apparent here. I'm not. 
I, I don't know if anybody can fix Star Wars because that is the complicated question. I'm interested in people hacking Star Wars to tell interesting stories and in different, you know, different things. I think uh, Ryan Johnson successfully hacked Star Wars Agreed. with The Last Jedi. And I think it, this show is certainly doing that as well. Like it, it is using Star Wars to do a lot of different things. And that is super commendable. One of, I, I think my favorite single scene of the entire first three episodes is literally the the two military dude or the two sort of um the police guys the the police yeah. chief Cor- guy like corpos. Mm-hmm. Corpos. yeah corpos thank you um you know dismissing and and kind of teaching this young kid uh, how it works here and like these two dudes got into it you know got it, they, they shouldn't have done what they did they messed with somebody they shouldn't have we're gonna cover it up like that whole scene is awesome dude and that actor i was trying to look up his name but i was having a tr- trouble finding him you know, that older guy who just throws away all those lines and just you just feel the oppression of the system. Oh, man, what an incredible scene to put in a Star Wars. I just loved mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. It's also anybody who's worked in a corporate office like uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it yeah. is so it is so mundane mm-hmm. in the way that the assassination in Michael Clayton is just so yes. mundane and every day for those people. And that's what makes it chilling and interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know, I'm going to give away uh, some details of the first episode of Andor. So if you don't want to know, but like, it's I don't consider this a spoiler. Basically, in the first episode, Andor um, murders, or I, I guess it's kind of self defense, but he kills two corpses. Well, he kills he two straight up murders the one. second guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. and it is like it, it's basically exactly like in the movie Heat. When also, Al like in Rogue One, we're introduced to him in Rogue One as murdering a source. Yeah, but it's very. What's great about that is it's very, yeah. very different. Um, his demeanor and his attitude when he does. Like if you compare mm-hmm. that scene mm-hmm. in Rogue One with the opening scene of yeah, Andor, yeah, yeah, which yeah. I have done in Rogue One, uh, he did it on purpose. Here is yeah, yeah. It's it's very like he's kind of up against the wall here, metaphorically speaking. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Al Pacino in Heat is like you know once uh, once it turned into a murder one beef. Why leave a living witness? You know, mm-hmm. this guy is, yeah. is ready to roll. You know, he's he's good to go. Yeah. Uh, and so I thought, yeah, the, the guy's uh, making some smart choices right off the right off the bat. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you, I, can't, I, you can't break the window more. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. 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 So it's kind of um, but it's like these kind of interesting moral questions that are uh, that are posed to uh, the characters in the show. Also, Stellan Skarsgård is freaking amazing in the show. Like, mm. I, he's yeah. such a badass. He's uh, always he, amazing. Yeah. Uh, he plays a character named Luthen in the show and uh, love him. But uh, I, I basically, Jeff, my, my review, despite our disagreements about Force Awakens and the circumstances under which it was made, my review basically matches yours, Jeff, that this is really a bold new storytelling direction for Star Wars. It's what we've been wanting from Star Wars for so many years. It's incredibly exciting to see it. Yeah. And we hope that the rest of the show is just as good. Hope the so. filmmaking is good. The yeah. the art design is incredible. The, they look the, like they're using actual sets. Yeah. You know, like not the volume. Set, yeah. Instead of the volume, you know, and and, and you can what tell the sets they are too. I mean, you think like that the the sort of um mechanic workshop uh place, it just it just has so much character and little bits and bobs everywhere. It just feels like Star Wars, you know, it's great. Yeah. And and that's my point. Ultimately, is that it can feel like Star Wars without having to directly lift the exact elements from Star Wars. Like, like that's that's the potential that we've got here. I mean, there is a faction of online fandom that would argue it does not feel like Star Wars. You know, um, they would be wrong. There's there is no there is no where are the lightsabers, Jeff. Where's the Force? You know, yeah. uh, without it's those got things, that same can't be pistol strong. that Han uses. There you go. Yeah. Done I, and done. I know. But I I agree with you that what 
what we are looking for is the fact that uh, the Star Wars universe is huge. It's yes, enormous. It There's so be. much stuff to explore. You know, yes. we don't need to be focused on this one dude and his bloodline and lightsabers and for you know. There's so yeah. much other things to explore about the Star Wars universe, um, and that's what it seems like they're trying to do here. They're trying to tell a, 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 what I can perceive to be a pretty compelling story with an arc for this Andor character that just happens to be set in Star Wars universe, right? Yeah, right. And that's kind of what that's kind of what I think we're looking for. Like we we don't need it to be. Um, about Luke Skywalker. We don't need Luke Skywalker to make appearances every now and then. Yeah. Like, it's just, let's just That's, do our that, own thing. That, you know? that was my point from last week when it, whatever it was, is that yeah. think of all the movies that take place during World War II and how yeah. different they are from one another. And that's what you could have with Star Wars. And I think that proves that to be the case. All right. Well, anyway, huge fan of Andor. Episodes one through three are available on Disney Plus right now. Uh, and that's one thing that Devendra's been watching. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back with more of what we've been watching. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Microdose Gummies. Now, microdosing is an idea you've probably heard a bit about. It's about taking small amounts of something like CBD or THC to help you feel good without having you know the full effect of a full hit. Microdose gummies are bite-sized little candies that give you nice entry-level doses of THC to help you feel just the right amount of good. Now, I've been taking CBD products, uh, you know, for a pretty long while now, certainly since we could find them. I find microdose gummies to be very convenient, they taste very good, and they don't give you the oily residue that a lot of other mixtures can give you. Uh, and they work really well, too. It helps me get to sleep after a very long day. It can help me just relax after a long workday or dealing with a bunch of kids. There's a lot of benefits to using this. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdose.com and use code FILMCAST to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that's microdose.com and code FILMCAST. Devendra, what else have you been watching? I want to say I finished Industry. All of Industry. I binged uh, season two since the last time we chatted. And also just have to say, like, this show, this show is incredible. Guys, you should all mm. be watching this. Jeff, I know you have begun. Dave, yes. Jeff, did, be... you, did you start watching Industry this week? I, I did because of Devendra's recommendation. Yeah. And yeah. my wife and I are both absolutely hooked Real good. on the show. Yeah. Real good. I will say exactly season... what he described last week. Mm -hmm. It is mm -hmm. like there's a lot of jargon that you're like, well, I don't. But it, it's like <laughs> mammoth. It doesn't matter. Like the specifics of the jargon don't matter because you get the gist of what's happening. It's very Mammothian in that way. Mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. Glengarry Glenn Ross or something, you know, it's absolutely. really, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I will say uh, season two raises the bar entirely, like completely. So if you watch a bit of season one and you're maybe annoyed by these characters and their tendencies and, uh, I think season two is remarkable in how much people grow and there's a lot of personal growth for these characters and somebody you thought who may have been just a pure asshole in season one, um, kind of evolves into something else and season two kind of makes you reckon with your judgments of people and what you think of them. And I think it's, it's very compelling. It's a, it's a good drama, good story. Um, and still tremendous characters. So if you like succession, if you're feeling like that, uh, you're feeling, um, you know, lost without, uh, jerk characters like this, or just like a really <laughs> compelling drama set in like a high stakes world where, uh, you know, money is just like, it, everywhere basically like it, I, I think the show is fantastic and you should all be watching it it is a all bunch right. of jerks though you're right it's jerks at the jerk it's store jerks. Jerks talking, the jerk selling store, yeah. jerk stuff because they're jerks yeah mm -hmm. but but season but, two is more like what if jerks have souls and i think that's <laughs> oh, more that's interesting good. yeah mm. and, and right. i would say you know you you make the comparison to succession um which is apt but i also i think it really mm -hmm. carves out its own identity and it doesn't just feel like yeah you know, succession redux. It does. There is a succession reference. 
oh, in season two. I will not say exactly what it is. And the show is very smart not even to tell you, is it because they're watching Succession? <laughs> or the succession cinematic yeah. universe is 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 that character like are those characters in this universe too because they could very well be like they're all like basically you know super That's rich awesome. uh modern day so i guess we'll see uh but the show's so good guys yeah all right that's industry season two it's available right now on hbo max i had a chance to watch a movie called athena this week athena is a movie that hit netflix this last week it was very well reviewed it's a french film I'm going to give away just the extremely basic elements of the plot uh, here right now. So tune out for the next 10 seconds if you don't want to hear. But basically, the, the movie involves uh, the killing of a boy and what the impact of that killing is, uh, which is presumably by law enforcement officers, what the impact of that killing is on that boy's brothers who live in a housing project known as Athena. Athena on Netflix is one of the most technically dazzling movies I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Uh, and it's f- famously has uh, pro- probably one of the best opening shots of 2022, I would argue. Um, and the, the movie takes place in long, uninterrupted takes. Jeff, I actually think you'd really like this. A lot of 1917 vibes. Mm-hmm. Watching oh, this man. Movie. I got to yeah. see this. Of its, 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 its technical mastery. Um, it is just like... Every single shot in the movie, like the movie takes place in a series of like long, it's not all done to be like one shot, but there's uh, many shots in the movie and each shot is relatively long and is itself like a story. You know, each shot is a story and each one is looks incredibly difficult to achieve. Um, The movie is beautiful. It's harrowing. It's heartbreaking. uh, And it's just so just impressive how this movie was done. Like every shot feels like it was impossible to make like how, how huh. could they have done this um now i do think the movie has some problems some people have said that the movie kind of feels like more of a technical exercise than it than it does a movie that focuses on its characters and i do think there are problems along those lines but it's kind of like saying you know hey um the mona lisa has cracks in it you know it's like <laughs> okay yes there's problem there's, there's problem yeah, but it's like yeah. wow like the fact that someone was able to achieve this is astonishing. And yes, again, again there, there thematically there's some problems and, you know, uh, th- this was in contention for a main review for us. I don't know that it should be a main review for us. Maybe it could be an after dark in the future, but I do think it is something that everyone should watch huh. uh, because it's, it's just one of the most impressive, technically dazzling films mm-hmm. I've ever seen in my life. So I saw this, the, the uh, buzz around this movie was so strong that I was like, we, we should probably just try to review this at some point. I'm not sure if timing works out, but yeah, I, I don't, th- I don't think timing, I don't yeah. think timing will work out, but I think you should definitely watch it and, and check it out. Jeff, what were you going to say? Uh, I saw this tweet from John Beesdale, who's the host of writers on film. Did you guys mm-hmm. see this? He said, uh, I see Athena as the latest critical litmus test film. It's the, if you liked it, you must be an asshole film of the week. <laughs> I liked it. I really liked it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Concludes. Interesting. Uh, interesting. But, that was funny. but uh, yeah, I think that um, people. I can, unlike with some other movies, I think there's totally a lot of legitimate beefs that people can have with this movie. You know, like you might not like it as much, but I think even the people who don't like it cannot deny that the filmmaking is really impressive. You know, even if you don't like the story or the script, like 
some of the stuff that they achieve is just really, really uh, astounding. Uh, it's also a movie that kind of just feels like it got dumped on Netflix with absolutely zero promotion whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. After, I don't think like, I, rapturous reviews early on. I think at Venice, right? Yeah. I, I don't think I would have even clocked it if you know Bilga Iberi mm-hmm. didn't write about it at mm-hmm. Vulture and and other people hadn't been tweeting about how ama- Davindra, you popped the text to us, I think, in the in the film cast text thread about it and. Uh, I don't think this would have been on my radar at all, but yeah, yeah I, Netflix I really it. has to do better about like hyping up their stuff, right? They have Tudum, which is just like the geeky franchises, but you know, there, there's more they could be doing. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, I would strongly recommend Athena on Netflix worth watching, worth talking about, worth considering, even if you don't like the film. So that's one thing I've been watching this week. Jeff Kanata, you and I also had a chance to watch something called Reboot mm-hmm. on Hulu, right? Yeah. Uh, this is a new sitcom by the people who made Modern Family, mm-hmm. and it's about a TV show sitcom that is of the ilk of Step by Step on TGIF. Remember, like in in the olden days, that have these sitcoms on TGIF. Mm-hmm. I, I used to watch. T- I don't know about you guys. I used to watch Step by Step all the time. Absolutely, all the shows. Um, Family Matters. Yeah, Family Matters. Emmy's World is in there. Yeah. Anyway, so there's a Step by Step esque show in the universe of the show reboot called Step Right Up step right up and they're rebooting it uh with uh, a character played by rachel bloom who's like wants to do like a fresh take on it make some more daring and interesting choices um jeff canada what do you think of reboot on hulu um i i watched all the episodes that are available so that should tell you something i stuck with it uh, i don't think it is a uh great show but i think it is a fun show and yeah. uh interesting enough to, for me to keep keep going with it um you know, it it is it is at, at once lampooning and, itself and being exactly the thing it lampoons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, it is, and in fact, uh, kind of smartly so in some cases where it'll sort of self reflexively. I think the third episode, I want to say, um, it, you know, there's a there's a contention within the making of this show within a show about how it is going to end, whether it should end with this very broad, goofy joke, or if it should, um, uh, you know, if, if it should be a, a strive for a more, uh, you know, mature, um, elegant a- ending. And the, the actual show reboot ends with that joke and references itself and goes, Oh yeah, maybe it was, it, it, it kind of plays in that meta place, which I enjoy. I, that's mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. stuff I like most about it. Yeah. Um, and I have a, I probably shouldn't say this, but I have a friend who's kind of experienced this firsthand, <laughs> this exact thing. And um, it very much <laughs> reminds me of stories he has told me. Um, but, you know, it is also kind of a broad uh, sitcom-y sitcom of a show, right? It is not trying to be... Um, I don't know, you know, groundbreaking, sort of, you know, yeah, it's, not, it's, not trying to, it's not trying to reinvent the form. I, I agree. I was a little bit surprised by how broad it is, you know? Yeah. Like, well, it's, it's and from that, like the, the creator, Stephen Levitan, like it, not just Modern Family, but so many other shows, right? Like yeah. I saw a bit of this with my wife and I remember his name because we watch a lot of Frasier and he has credits on Frasier and a bunch of things, you know, older shows, just shoot me. Um, it is. It, yeah, I, I guess I just think yeah. when you're deconstructing a form like this, it, mm-hmm. it, like Thirty Rock, you know, it would. I, I would argue that Thirty Rock is kind of pl- playing in a different level. Yeah. Than, oh yeah, than this yeah. Series, it's yeah. full. It's full Great. like zany. It is interesting though. Like Stephen Levitan could have just been safe, right? He could have just done a spinoff from one of the Modern Family characters, and yeah. to see him kind of just just kind of like reckon with his own industry a little mm-hmm. bit in his place, yeah. and I think is fascinating. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, the guy has 
more money than God at this point. You know, he could just have sat on his laurels and, mm-hmm. you know, but this is, a, I think, a pretty, a fairly interesting way of, of tackling the the medium that has uh, made him so famous. I do think that, Jeff, like the, the broadness to me comes from the... Um, the ca- the kid character, do you know what I'm saying? Um, a lot of it does, but I think it's it it permeates through the whole show that right. broadness. Yeah. Um, but a Callum Worthy plays Zach Jackson, who's kind of like uh, basically the dumb guy, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's like it's very it's very that character is so broadly drawn that I'm like okay, like it it kind of snaps me back into the reality that I'm watching, you know, a sitcom yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, I love shows about show business. You know, um, here's a show that basically no one I know has ever watched. It's called Episodes. What are you talking uh, about? I love that show. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, uh, no one I know that has ever watched outside of the film cast, of course, is what I was trying to say. <laughs> Such a great show. Uh, Matt LeBlanc. Um, yeah. We, we talked about it back when, way back Yeah, so we did. We, yeah. we did talk about it like once or twice on the show and on this podcast. Um, but yeah, that's another show that's kind of about show business and the behind the scenes stuff. And it, it reminds me a lot of, of this show, Reboot, which yeah, is on well, Hulu right I think now. Episodes is, is much more what we're talking about, where yes, it, it's exactly. less broad and more skewering. Yeah, there are broad elements to it, right? But sure. like, it's yeah, it's 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 not doing the like bump bumps as much. Exactly, exactly, um, yeah. And yeah. it's funny because like, there's an entire uh, one of the things we haven't mentioned is Paul Reiser is in the show, and I yeah. I love Paul Reiser. Um, and uh, he is he is the influence of the sort of old school uh, jokey joke writers. And there's a there's a whole plot in the early episodes. I don't remember which one, but where he sort of wants to bring in his old, like seasoned, grizzled uh, uh, joke writer guys. And um, they come in and, and they're great. I mean, they, they like literally everything they say is a joke. And I've had many experiences with people in Hollywood who are of that generation, like older, you know, seasoned writers. And they just, they speak that way. They think that way. They write that way where mm-hmm, literally mm-hmm. everything has to be a punchline. And it's fun to see the the battle within the context of the show, but it feels like the show itself isn't in, in that battle of mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. We feel like we need to have butt bumps all the time, but we're but at the same time we're trying to ha- make a sort of a more, uh, you know, a more sophisticated point. Yeah, agreed, agreed. But overall, I think it's certainly worth checking out a couple episodes to see if it might be your thing. I again, I love shows about show business. I think this is a solid entry into that genre, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So yeah. that's a reboot. It's streaming right now on Hulu. All right, Jeff Kanata, anything else you've been watching this week? Yeah, I went to the movie theater and saw See How They Run, which uh, is very much the kind of movie I like. It's a it's a it's a who done it, a classic who done it, um, and it stars Sam Rockwell and a whole bunch of other people, uh, Saoirse Ronan, and uh, uh, really wonderful cast, really uh, fantastic cast. Um, it's kind of what I was hoping for from Confess Fletch, frankly. Uh, because I I had a good time with this movie. It, this movie is very British uh, and embraces its, its Britishness uh, to the point where it's you know it's very dry. It's very uh, you know slow paced. It's not trying to wow you with stuff all the time. And it also is kind of working on a meta level uh, like reboot is. And it's very it's a very bizarre thing. I was really struggling this week to try to come up with an analogy that would be good. And I, maybe you guys can find one. There is an Agatha Christie novel, I guess, uh, that was turned into a stage play and then turned into a movie called Mousetrap. It, it, it was written, what? What year was Mousetrap written? I didn't even look it up. Uh, Mousetrap by Agatha Christie. 
was written in 1952. Uh, so this is a, a play. It started as a play, not a, not a book. So it started as a play, 1952. <laughs> this movie, see how they run, is basically the space balls to Star Wars of Mousetrap. Wow, Jeff. Deep cut, man. Deep but, cut. But like, what if the thing that's crazy is it's like sending up and parodying and and referencing a movie from or a, a thing that literally no contemporary audience is probably familiar with. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. Just, it's so wild to me that this movie is so it is a whodunit about someone that is killed making the movie of the play of Mousetrap. So, <laughs> so they are investigating a murder that happens of the director of the proposed movie adaptation of Mousetrap. And then the, the movie that we're watching, see how they run, sort of becomes that thing also, right? At the same time. Very clever, very smart, but like, I needed to be told that I needed to watch Mousetrap again before watching this movie because I saw the film version of Mousetrap. I don't know. The film version of Mousetrap is probably from the 60s or 70s, I would guess, uh, without looking it up. And, it, and it's like, I mean, there's a, there's a joy to be had in this movie. I enjoyed the movie without, uh, invariably, with missing half the references it probably is making. But like, how bold to be <laughs> to be using as your source material something that is so outside the zeitgeist right now. It's just a wild endeavor at the on the face of it. Just like you the gotta admire the confidence. Yeah. The confidence. Yeah. And the movie's fun. Like it's fun. The characters are fun. The whodunitness is fun. Um, you know, there's the, the, it's 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 smart. It's it's great. But also like I can't believe they made this because I, I can't think, as I was saying to start, I, I can't think of another example of something that so closely uses a audience's knowledge of something, but is so far removed from when aud- general audiences would have been familiar with that thing. It's, it's wild, um, but it's still worth watching. It's called See How They Run, and I enjoyed it. Very cool. Uh, my wife's really looking forward to this one. She is an Agatha Christie obsessive, so um, maybe she is. I think she's probably the target audience for this one, Jeff. Yeah, I would. So. I would tell her if if she's not, you know, doesn't have it fresh in her mind, you know, revisit Mousetrap. She always has. She she always has every Agatha Christie book oh, fresh in her mind. I, so. I, I I'm not joking. She literally listens to Agatha Christie podcasts every day. No, well, no there you go. She is she is the one person this movie was made for. Yes, more indeed. than any other. Yeah. Also, also watch out, Dave. Just, just watch yeah, it seriously. <laughs> seriously. That seems like a red flag. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know why she's always talking to me about how, like, uh, wives can get away with the murders of their husbands. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's a how weird much is your thing. life insurance policy? You it's know, a always... weird thing. And then she had me sign a life insurance policy yeah. recently? That was weird. And always asking you to drink from that specific cup of tea. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, can you please try it first? And she's like, no. And I'm like, that's weird. Why would you try it first? And then uh, she's like, well, it's, it's insulting that you'd ask me to try it first. You know, yeah. and then I'm like, well, I just think, you know, I just want to be safe. Yeah. And then she's like, 
Well, well, we'll just, we'll just throw it all in the garbage then, I guess, Dave. Yeah, you should just trust that I've made you good tea. And I'm like, well, I do, but then you have this Agatha Christie stuff, and it's really anyway. I think I think you kind of get the sense of what the conversations are like. So, okay, let's see how they run. It's available in theaters right now. Jeff, uh, anything else you've been watching? Well, one real quick mention: I knew I watched the uh, new Patton Oswalt um, uh, stand-up special. Uh, I'm a big, huge fan of Patton's stand-up. Uh, his new special is called "We All Scream." And uh, if you are as big a fan of him as I am, you will find a lot to like in this. Um, you know, he has, uh, I think his previous special was the one where he specifically spoke at length about the grief of, you know, the process of dealing with grief of the, yeah. the death of his wife, which this is ve a very different experience than that, right? This is much more traditional jokes and it talks a lot about um, the pandemic in particular and the experience of living in the pandemic. So it, it's, it's much lighter, it's much uh, jokier, uh, and all, all of that is welcome. I, you know, I certainly wouldn't expect him to sort of transition his entire career into kind of that more, um, you know, heartfelt stuff. I, it was a moment in time that he went through. But the the one thing in this special that I didn't like, he inexplicably he has this entire section in the middle of it where he does crowd work. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch it? I watched it. Yeah, I did. I didn't. I was like, that should have been cut out <laughs> not a fan, not a fan you're not opposed to crowd work as a concept i'm not been, yeah but i'm not but and, it, and i don't think he's bad at it by any stretch it just it didn't feel it doesn't fit with the rest of no the it's yeah. like he literally stops the show it's like okay here's my crowd work section where i'm going to interact with the front row and then we're now we're back to the show it, it's it is very much it, it feels very um discordant with the rest of it and it mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it felt it's like also, it's not what he typically does. Is no. the thing, right? Like I occasionally see, um, I like Stavros Helkius. He shows up on my YouTube a lot and he does great crowd work. Not sure about yeah. Patton. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I watched, I watched Patton Oswalt's, uh, we all scream as well. And yeah, it's, uh, it's classic Patton. I thought other than the crowd work stuff, <laughs> I thought it was just, you know, uh, fun observations, uh, nerd rage at things that I have nerd rage about. Uh, yeah. It's good stuff. It's a, very, it's a fun time. Very Gen X centric, which, you know, I am Gen X and uh, it, it, very much talking about aging uh, and, and all that stuff, which I, you know, it's all, it's all very good. Yep. All right. That is Patton Oswalt's We All Scream on Netflix. It's streaming right now. And that is what we have been watching. Let us get to weekly plugs. <laughs> Weekly plugs, a part of the show each week where we plug something else we're working on these days. Uh, I am recapping and reviewing every episode of Andor over on the Decoding TV podcast, which you can find at podcast.decodingtv.com. It's also on YouTube at youtube.com slash decodingtv. And last week, uh, I announced that Patrick H. Willems is going to be my co-host for the Andor recaps. Very cool. We did a uh, revisit of Rogue One. Uh, and kind of rewatched Rogue One, talked about it, what we liked about it, how the production of that film was famously troubled. Tony Gilroy basically, we didn't even talk about this, guys, but mm -hmm. like Tony Gilroy saved it. Yeah. Took over that movie. He, Tony Gilroy did not start working on Rogue One until the director's cut was complete. And he still got a screenwriter credit on mm -hmm. Rogue One. Mm -hmm. And to get a screenwriter credit for a movie you did not work on the script for at the beginning, um, you need to have written over 50% of the script. Right. So, And they don't do uh, co-directing very easily, right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, to That's totally. changed and, a bit, but yeah. yeah. 
So he comes in after the movie's done, basically redoes a lot of it, and he's and and then gave an interview about it where he said, "quote They were in terrible, terrible trouble uh, with Rogue One. Like, like they were in <laughs> we such need trouble a that fixer, yeah, yes. a man who knows Li- fixers, yeah, literally in so much trouble that quote All you could do was improve their position. He's like, <laughs> it was in such Rogue One was in such terrible shape that I could have literally taken a shit on the sidewalk <laughs> and it would have made their day better because Oof. of how bad it was. Right. Wow. He goes on the record with that story, and then Disney still brings him back to do Andor. That's pretty wild. That's right? pretty wild. Yeah. Like yeah. so, they, they must they knew I mean, that Tony Gilroy had the goods, basically. Yeah. Because that's the only way you'd bring back somebody. He, he who, is basically one of his own characters, right? He, he <laughs> is the guy who. Did, I am the smartest guy in the room right now. Like yeah. you, you yeah, need totally. me. You need oh, me. Oh, totally, right now. totally, yeah. totally. Yes. I mean, by the uh, way, this, yeah. this is exactly what Ron Howard was hired to do too, and uh, you know, one of them was successful. <laughs> one of them was yeah. not. Yeah, um, for, you're talking about how Ron Howard. Well, uh, the difference is Ron Howard actually got yeah. he he did the whole movie for that movie. I That's all of his. Yeah, but yeah. You know, it was still I, the I think, save it stage. Yeah, well, uh, and there's a lot of debate about what saving it meant in that context, <laughs> right? Sure. Like, I, I think that they, the Lord and Miller, probably had a very different idea of the tone of that movie, as you can see in some scenes. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I I hope one day, guys, the full story of how these Star Wars films was mm-hmm, written mm-hmm. and and uh, produced is told absolutely because uh, Rogue One, Rise of Skywalker, and Solo Star Wars stories, each one of those films began with a different director than they ended up with. Basically, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know? that's so not good. I don't deeply, know. We'll, we'll we'll probably never see that story, but man, it must be fascinating. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So anyway, if you want to watch me and Patrick Willems talk about Rogue One, uh, check out YouTube.com/slash Decoding TV or podcast.decodingtv.com. Uh, Devin, your hardware. Your weekly plug. Sure. I want to shout out the latest episode of the Engadget podcast. We talked about iFixit's report on the iPhone 14 and the fact that it's like super repairable. Nobody really expected that, especially since the specs are pretty uh, pretty much what last year's was. And uh, we also talk about NVIDIA's new RTX 4000 GPUs, and uh, I will be playing with those soon, and I'm very excited. Should be fun. Yeah. I got, I'm eager to hear if they're worth the $1,700. Probably. Not. Probably. Not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm. I would get one myself, except a, it's prohibitively expensive. B, I and don't you, know. You if have I, a three thousand. So I have a thirty eighty. I have a thirty. Yeah, you're good. So, Anybody yeah. with a three thousand card, you're good. Just yeah, but this back. one's better. This one's slight. This one's more marginally raised. better for more dramatic being, being traced. traced. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm supposed to Jeff, live not having the best one? How is that? How am I supposed to do that? <laughs> yeah, I don't understand this concept. Um, Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug. Limericks. Who doesn't love them? Most people, but maybe not you. (laughs) If you are the kind of person that would be delighted and tickled by a limerick, then boy, have I got a website for you. It's cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. It is the place you can go and get a limerick written particularly for you, specifically for whatever occasion you might need. Birthday, anniversary, just a pick-me-up, whatever it is. I write a limerick for it. Uh, check out my over 100 five-star reviews. People are uh, are are just uh, just overjoyed to receive the limerick. It's the gift that keeps on giving for five solid lines. And, <laughs> and it can be yours by going to cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. All right. Uh, I want to give a few weekly plugs for the show. If you want to support this podcast, patreon.com slash film podcast. Uh, is where you can sign up to receive ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. And you know what? Uh, F it. I'm going to read some some comments 
on our last week's After Dark. Yeah, do okay. it. Okay, here we go. Uh, uh, Damon writes, best After Dark ever. Um, <laughs> Nicholas writes, what a great episode. Very, uh, every part was funny and riveting. Well done, guys. Tal writes, fantastic episode, gentlemen. Uh, Steven writes, Jeff, please say thank you more sensually. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, be not great. perfect for everybody. There's a few notes. I get it. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, some people have said that last week's After Dark is possibly one of our best After Darks ever. Now, I'm not going to say whether or not I agree with that, but a lot of people think it. And you can add your voice to the mix by going to patreon.com slash film podcast uh, and signing up for, again, an ad-free episode or exclusive After Dark episodes at patreon.com slash film podcast. Of course, we never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes them financial hardship. If you want to support us for free, it's very easy to do the, do so. Share about the show, tweet about the show, Facebook about the show, Instagram about the show. That would really help us out a lot. Or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcast can be found. Every little bit helps. Finally, I want to mention that if you want to recommend something for us to watch, you can use hashtag slash tag on Twitter or just email us at slash filmcast.gmail.com. Either way, uh, we like your recommendations and sometimes they make it into the show itself. Thanks to everyone who supports this podcast in whatever way you can. Let's get to our review of Don't Worry, Darling. Darling all of you wives. With you all the time. We men, we ask a lot. Can't you see? We ask for strength. <laughs> food at home. A house clean. With you all the time. And discretion above all else. Boys and their toys. At least we know they're getting work done. Welcome to the Victory Project. We're all here because we believe in the mission. What are we doing? Changing the world. What are we doing? Changing Changing the the world. world. That's right. What do you think they're really doing out there? What do you mean? You are listening to or watching The Filmcast at thefilmcast.com or youtube.com slash slash filmcast. Welcome to our review of Don't Worry, Darling. Here's the plot summary from IMDb. A 1950s housewife living with her husband in a utopian experimental community begins to worry that his glamorous company could be hiding disturbing secrets. This movie obviously has had a lot of controversy, a lot of gossip around it. But at the end of the day, guys, when the lights come down in the theater and the movie begins, we have a movie in front of us that we can elaborate <laughs> we can evaluate we have moving pictures <laughs> we have With moving sound pictures and accompanying now. sounds that we can evaluate <laughs> separate from any of the outside world context so given all of that devendra hardwar I, I, I wish you had just quoted uh, <laughs> our our patron saint mm-hmm. uh, um, <laughs> nicole kidman <laughs> <laughs> we have was that what you were trying to do? Did I mess that up? <laughs> I don't know. No, I was just uh, d- dazzling pictures and sound. Yeah. yeah. Heartbreak Free. feels good in a place like this. <laughs> good. You know? Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. So, we, ha- we should probably open every review that way, to be honest. That's yeah. true. Anyway. You should. Yeah. At the end of the day, we yeah, have star dazzling hearts. pictures and yeah. sound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our heroes are the best version of who we are. <laughs> heartbreak feels good. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Okay. Devinder Hardwar. Mm-hmm. Evaluating Don't Look Darling, Don't Worry Darling as as a film, sure. you know. What did you think of this movie? It's it's fine. It's fine. It's not terrible, but watching this movie really makes me think like there is just you could just make a bingo of these types of movies, right? The 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 sort of like mysteries where something is off. 
There may be an underlying conspiracy. Florence Pugh should not be in this cultish environment. Something like that. Um, I think there's a lot of like interesting elements of this movie. I like the cast. Uh, in particular, I, I didn't realize Nick Kroll was in this. And he is like having a lot of fun. So it's just entertaining watching these people uh, in this like you know beautiful desert town and trying to figure out like what the heck is going on here. And I think Florence Pugh, like really, it's all Florence Pugh. Like I will watch her do anything. She is so, she is just so captivating even when like what she's doing doesn't make any sense. And even as the movie careens into like nonsensical territory, um, I'm still compelled by watching her and hoping she is okay. So uh, I, I think this is a perfectly fine movie. I think my wife will really enjoy the sort of like twists and turns of this. Uh, I I feel like I've seen this sort of thing before so many times. And I, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I don't feel like it's adding new uh, adding much new to this type of film, this sort of like, um, I don't know what you'd call it, right? A closed off community where it seems like something weird is going on. Um, you know, clearly there's like gender, there's a lot of like gender uh, roles being pushed in certain ways too. And I think it's an interesting commentary and all that stuff. I'm more interested in talking about this movie and the twist and like where things go. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, I well, think that's where it, it had a chance to be even more interesting and it kind of failed, but yeah, overall, I wasn't bored by it, but I will say I struggled to stay asleep during, uh, stay awake during this movie in the theater. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe watch it at home with uh, with some caffeine. But you weren't mm-hmm. bored, but you couldn't stay awake. I, maybe you're just tired. Maybe you're just tired that day. You I mean, I'm that. always tired these Devendra's days. Devendra's taking care of two kids. It's not, this is I a, wouldn't say it's boring, but it's not like it's not a, like aside from Florence Pugh, it's not as like captivating or interesting a movie like this should be. I'd say. Yeah, it's not. It's not a super. Uh, quickly it's paced. The, it's not the you know, Green yeah. Knight. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not doing much interesting stuff. Why? Uh, Why? I was fully awake for the Green Knight because uh, there was actual, uh, there was actual you guys, narrative. Being. You guys are just like trying to start a fight with each other. This whole episode is kind of my <laughs> is sense. It? Like you, I mean, you're just, listen, every, you're, you're saying things left and right. I'm like, oh, that's really going to piss off the other guy. On the no, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Um, okay. We, uh, we did agree that uh, it's ridiculous that you still haven't seen Firefly. Uh, mm-hmm. because, I mean, you know. sure. Jeff Kanata, what are your thoughts on Don't Worry Darling? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts on Don't Worry Darling are best summed up in the form of a limerick. I spent most of this movie suspending my disbelief and depending on a film that's as smart as this seems at the start to not shit the bed at the ending. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. That's pretty mm-hmm. good. I yeah, was good. really enjoying this movie. Yeah. Really enjoying this movie. Same. Same. Really. I was, I, I had heard a bunch of negative buzz about, about don't worry, darling. And I expected it to kind of be a mess. And I was so enraptured with it. I thought the filmmaking was great. I loved the, the art direction of this, this community, this, this uh, 50s aesthetic where all of the knickknacks and, and little uh, house decor elements were so evocative of a specific feeling and time period. And I thought the performances are great. You talk about Florence Pugh, she's great. Chris Pine is incredible. Every time he's on screen is just magnetic. And he delivers these, these lyrical monologues that are uh, incredible. I just thought the movie was amazing. However, what one of the things that's amazing about it 
is that it is constantly asking this question. What's going on? What's going on? Ooh, are you curious about what's going on? You better, ooh, there's some stuff going on. Yeah. What's going on? If you get tired of that early on, uh, the movie may not work for you as much. So well, maybe that's it. Yeah. I wasn't, but that yeah, I know. Requires... I'm glad you guys enjoyed it, but I will say, I've seen Pleasantville, guys. I we we've seen so many so many things like this. I'm like, I aside from Florence Pugh, what are you doing here? That's really interesting. But yeah, go. But ahead. What, well, Jeff, what Jeff's saying is that yeah, if you're yeah. gonna spend the ninety percent of the movie asking this yes. question, you should you pay need to have, deliver you the goods. You have yeah. to have a satisfying answer yeah. to the question. Yeah. And this movie has one of the most spectacularly awful <laughs> endings I have ever seen. It's it pretty is, dumb. It, it, it's it, pretty it's, dumb. It, to wrap your head around <laughs> the ramifications of what they it's like they didn't watch the entire previous movie that they were making it's it is a i mean twist is the wrong word it's an answer to the question that has been raised in a way that makes absolutely no sense that just sort of lifts whole cloth from other movies other better movies and those other movies spend the entire movie explaining yeah, building the that thing. Yeah, and this movie yeah. just sort of shorthands it and goes, nah, you've seen other movies and uh, said stuff like this, so you get it. And it's like, no, no, no. It's, it, it is, it's so, such a shame because I was so in and having such a good time and so curious and cared about these characters and thought, and it like, and we'll get to this in spoilers, but it's such an easy fix. Like it didn't have to do this incredibly boneheaded thing it does that undermines everything it said, raises way more logistical and logical questions than it should. It, it's just like, it literally goes, nothing nothing that you have set up is paid off sufficiently here. And many of the things that you've set up make no sense now. No sense at all. And we'll enumerate yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. we got to wait for yeah. that. Yeah. But the, the point is that I, you know, I'm actually much more disappointed in this movie than I thought I would be when I thought I was going to go in and see a train wreck of a movie. That I thought mm -hmm. I was going to see just a movie that was a mess. It's actually worse than that because the movie's really good. I mean, really good. I was into it actively loving it's like soaking in the performances and the mise-en-scene and just like all of the wonderful texture of this movie that it just squanders and it's literally like walk out 10 minutes before the end and it will be a better movie experience than watching <laughs> it to the end yeah i gotta say i completely agree jeff uh i i liked the movie as well i'm watching this movie i'm like wow i, I can't believe this movie has like a 30 something percent on rotten tomatoes <laughs> yes. this is incredible this is this is really, really well done. Olivia you, Wilde you during the first 50, 70 percent of this movie. All good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, as you said, Florence Pugh is really giving it her all. I actually thought Harry Styles did a good job in this movie. Mm, I agree. Um, I thought he was solid in this movie. And I'm watching the movie. I'm like, this is great. Why could how would anyone possibly dislike this? And then we get to the end and it's a mess. And um, but even still. Even still, despite the ending that is a mess, I think the movie still does enough cool things. It's still thought-provoking enough that I still end up having a positive impression of the film. Like, I still... I don't know if I'd recommend it to everyone, but I, when I think back on Don't Worry, Darling, it's a movie uh -huh. I liked. I liked. I liked that movie, you know? It has... 
massive, massive, massive problems. <laughs> Almost all of them because of the final 20, 30 minutes, right? Um, but I still have a positive impression because I feel like Olivia Wilde is really a filmmaker that's trying to say something with this movie. And, and gifted. I, like, the the, the yeah. way there are, there are some sort of, I mean, action is the wrong word, but there are some action-y moments that are mm-hmm. filmed yeah. really, really well. They're, yeah. Like, the the... The actors are incredibly well directed and the it's sumptuous. It's she's a yeah. great director. Yeah, there's she's a like nice she, visual style to it, like yeah. throughout. Yeah. It feels like she was failed on the script level. Agreed. hundred percent hundred percent Um that said, you know, the movie did open really well. And so I'm hoping this will lead to more opportunities for Olivia Wilde, because I, I I do think she's very talented. But we have so much more to discuss. Why don't we get to it right now? Um, so let's do spoilers for Don't Worry Darling starting now. Now you're looking for the secret. You're gonna see this coming. No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not gonna see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. All right. So this is usually the part of the show where I talk about what happened at the end of the sh- <laughs> you know, in the movie, but I'm still not quite sure. I mean, basically, just like, hey, remember the Matrix? Yeah, it's a Florence, sim- it's all yeah. a simulation. Everybody. Florence Pugh and Harry Styles' character are like together on the outside, right? Yeah. Um, they, yeah. I, I don't know if they were married, but they're definitely no. boyfriend girlfriend. Doesn't no, seem like yeah, married. right? Yeah. And then she, I think, leaves him. At some point, because he's so gr- he's so gross and disgusting on the outside. So I don't know if you guys he doesn't know have a job. He's spending he's, all his time on Reddit. He's watching. Come he's on. listening to incel podcasts. And, yeah. uh, and, and so my, my yeah. interpretation was like he left because we see him like knocking on the door with um, with flowers at some point. Like maybe that's their home together, but maybe like they've broken mm-hmm. up or whatever. And I guess kidnaps her and puts her into this matrix like environment where they can together live out this husband-wife fantasy from the 1950s. It right? makes yeah. no sense. It makes now, no sense at now, all. Now, th- this raises tons of questions, unfortunately. <laughs> like, um, who, how is Florence Pugh kept alive? Like, yeah. did, well, he, her physical body her droplets of water. So that's, uh, that's all. What about <laughs> what, her job? What about what, her well, yeah, What about her job? Like, what, what, is, mean? what is he doing during the day to he's, work? He's working. To he, he's he's work. working. The guy who was unemployed... Now all of a sudden has now a job. Has double, he has a, a whole them. doctor's salaries worth of extra money to be able yes. to. Yes. Yeah. It, uh, um, the uh, what? What is up no with the sense. plane crash that Florence Pugh saw earlier in sure. the movie? Well, sure. Okay. So, so what's with the rumbling? The idea here, Chris Pine's <laughs> character outside the world, which we never see, we never get mm-hmm. any explanation about, but he has created this utopian simulation mm-hmm. that is a virtual reality. We, we see him you know, in the like podcast thing. I believe. Yeah, yeah. We hear his voice. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. He, he's um, created he's a San Junipero type world yeah, in you know, exactly. Yeah. So, but for some reason, that place still needs to be cleaned, and like the things though, the it, 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 it makes no sense that there are some people. The uh, Olivia Wilde character chooses to be there, and one mm-hmm. would assume most people would choose to be there. There's no explanation, and it makes no sense why Chris Pine's character would want anyone to be brought there against their will. It feels like a real violation of the terms of service of whatever that software well, it is. It seems like that's well, what it was built for. That's, yeah, that's it part of the point, in my opinion. That, yeah. that part, it didn't bother me, you know, yeah. uh, because the idea the idea behind what Chris Pine is espousing is mm-hmm. that, like, uh, he wants 
He, he's yeah. kind of a Jordan Peterson. What if an incel as... made his own metaverse? Right, right. He's, 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 kind, of, he's kind of like, yeah, exactly. There, there, are, there are fictional children who are just simulation children. Yeah. Why do you need a real human woman to be in there at all? Just have a simulated woman. Okay, yeah, that's a well, good, she... that's a good, that's a good actually point is like, why not have simulated women in there? If you, you have can... simulated children. Like I would, children. if the movie even, I mean, yeah. the slightest thing it could do is to say, well, we can't simulate human beings, but it fucking does. Yeah. Like it does that. Yeah. So yeah. there's no reason why you couldn't just create the women. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, the point, the point is to control their women in real life. Like, yes. To, yes. Well, I get that the movie yeah. saying that, but it's they, doing it in yeah. the stupidest possible way. Like yeah. I'm, I'm into this movie. I love this. Literally all that they had to do was say, Jibber jabber science fictiony stuff. They erased your memory, and you brought you here physically, and you mm -hmm. reinvented oh, yeah. you. Like literally, the, the idea just of don't it being a, a simulation. The idea of it being a matrix was what really that that's really where the movie completely <laughs> like, goes literally off the rails. Just, like right. make yeah. some dumb mumbo jumbo thing. It doesn't even have to make any sense, but just say, <laughs> "Hey, you took a pill, and we wiped your memory, and now you're here in the fifties. It's not actually the fifties outside of here, but it's, yeah. it's the village or whatever. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's the village. Like, yeah. That yeah, is yeah. a way better movie than than like." She has things on her eyeballs that make her what? Well, have sex with him? Like, yeah. it's a, it's like what? At least it's, the it's Matrix plugged into the back of your freaking brain. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Jeff, you're really getting worked up about this. Huh, man? I well, like the see, movie. See, see, That's the like you, you like the beginning. It's yeah. such yeah. an easy fix. It's such an easy fix. Literally, like. Cl they club the women over the head. They bring them to this place in this desert that pretends to be the fifties, and it's not actually the fifties. Yeah. Is a much more interesting movie than it's all in a computer. That's I, the yeah. stupidest. The specifics shit. of it, like I don't like the VR stuff. Okay, fine. Uh, it's more like what do you what are you trying to say, and like what what is this movie trying to say? And it gets so confused by the end in terms of like. The specifics do get confusing there in terms of like what is yeah. the overall message? Like the, the, men the controlling plot, women. Yeah, because the plot is so confusing. I agree that the theme is lost somewhat, but I I, I do <laughs> think it's still an interesting idea. Which is you know thematically, what I can tell is that the movie's trying to say um, that to to what extent are women willing to give up, um, or are men willing to take away women's autonomy and you know their self-determination right to put them in a situation where gender roles are more um yeah. conventional or not conventional traditional old yeah. school whatever it, relationships you know. well, it's saying again. the traditional yeah. uh gender roles are a form of sublimation mm -hmm. you know it's, yeah, it's or su sub that. subjugation yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and and um they're a form of subjugation and it's like th that what we you know what we saw as oh these people being super happy in the family actually was removing a bunch of independence and agency and autonomy from these women right right like, that the that's 50s, kind of the, yeah. the 50s as an ideal yes. was inherent like the the notion of it I mean, even if it was never even that, the Ozzy and Harriet notion yeah. itself was, you know, was a unfair. form of subjugating women, right? And yes. and mm -hmm. that's a that's a very compelling idea that has been uh, brought to life. And like Mad Men is a great example. Step like for a show wives, can, you know, yeah, yeah. there's a million so, of them. Yeah. So uh, not saying it's a bad idea. Not saying there's not new territory to explore. But I agree with you, Jeff, that the the plotting of the final third was just really a disaster. Now, <laughs> there was an article at Insider.com entitled don't worry darling botches its ending and concludes with a cliffhanger here's how the script originally ended and they kind of quote kind of quote from an earlier version of the script uh where uh, here here's i'm going to read to you what the what the ending originally was right that florence Pugh's character 
returns back to reality, not through getting shock treatment like in the movie, but comes across an exit portal back to the real world disguised as a house for sale in the village. Hooked to a machine and IV, she gets out of bed and crawls to escape from wherever she is. She learns that she's in their apartment in the future, 2050 to be exact. Uh, not only that, she finds a certificate of divorce with their names on it. She gets in front of a futuristic computer and learns all about the company called Alt Life, in which a man can live in a cyberspace that resembles 1950s suburban America, where a world controlled by women no longer exists. All the man has to do is fake his wife's death and strap her to the machine so she can share the experience with him. Allison finds articles saved with the headlines about her going missing, the police searching for her, and finally, thousands of people mourning for her when the search is called off, end quote. So... That's a lot more detail about sure. how that all actually works. That makes a lot more sense, actually. It, makes, yeah, it sure. makes a lot more sense. Now, now they it chose to end the movie. in the future, but that's cool. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> she chose to end the movie with vibes, right? Mm-hmm. She didn't end with any plot. She's just like, I, I think you hear Florence Pugh waking up, and she's, yeah. Like, yeah. she's kind of like yeah. out of breath, right? That's the yeah. ending of the movie. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of a nice, mysterious, enigmatic mm-hmm. ending. The problem is... None of the other stuff that happens in the movie is explained. Like the plane, like you're in your brain when you're watching the movie, you're trying to like equate what. Yep. Okay, so the plane would have been what the the yeah. rumbling noises. You're were trying to think of like usual suspects or something like yeah, that. Why, together the, the elements you heard in the exactly. story. Yeah, was the polar bear on the island? Yeah. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and 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 you have no answers for mm-hmm. any of that because it doesn't even feel like they thought about it. it doesn't even feel like they thought about it. I mean, it's, it's not like, that hard too. It's like, oh, he has a TV on nearby, and she hears a plane or something, or there. Like, it's right. not that hard. They, they didn't to like, quite give you enough. Well, give they're you trying that. to, yeah. but they're trying to add all this 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 um, weight and meaning to it because, like, the other woman who slits her throat, she has an airplane. Like that. Like, there's. Things yeah. that are supposed seemingly mm-hmm. adding yeah. up to something and they don't add right. anything. I do like that there's a lot of like creepy moments mm-hmm. in the yes. movie. You know, when she goes up to the glass. Incredible. And, you know, the blood and all these visions that she has. And, Dude, incredible. Um, in the, uh, when they're learning, I think it's ballet, mm-hmm. learning a dance and the, uh, the other woman, is it Kiki Lane that's in the movie, right? It's Kiki Lane, yeah. 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 Um, she is behind the glass. It's kind of very uh, Black Swan-esque. Mm-hmm. You know, with like dancing in front of a mirror, and the mirror is not doing what you also think. Also, very last do. night in Soho too. So, yeah. like, yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah. a lot. Yeah. So there's like there's like a lot of lovely visual flourishes in the movie mm-hmm. that I think are make it pretty yeah. admirable. But I'm, yeah, I, I'm all for a vibes based uh, resolution here too. It's just it doesn't. It is so different it, it's so like antithetical to like the rest of the movie so that's why yeah. maybe the ending is throwing us off here why, why 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 yeah. include all that stuff though why, why include, include like the ground sh- you don't need to include the ground shaking stuff it like, doesn't why, make any why sense it? you don't yeah. you can just excise it from the movie but like now we're asking the question what that is and there's no payoff for it whatsoever yeah as, far as i can tell yeah yeah and yeah a line or something would would yeah. kind of pay that off or something i don't i feel like um I think it's a familiarity with this movie and like what these movies tend to do that just kind of threw me off. And like in my head, I was playing, uh, you know, uh, what, what would you call this? Like a uh, closed off community bingo in my head in this movie, just started checking off pretty much all the boxes. And I'm like, okay, it's either it's a modern day or <laughs> some sort of, some sort of simulation or she was kidnapped and yeah. trapped there. And like, by the end of it, it was checking off enough where I was like, this, this movie is not engaging me. I know it looks nice. And I think Florence P was great. Like she's always great, and uh, honestly, um, what's his face? Chris Pine is really relishing this role too. Like he is, he is somebody who is empowered by his uh, his place in that uh, community, and you can really feel it. And he's just like oozing pure toxic masculinity so yeah. too. Like there, there are some great performances here. I wish it added up to more. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and you know, another thing that irked me in a big way is uh, she smacks him with a thing and Olivia Wilde's like, oh, uh, if if you die in here, you die in the real world. <laughs> Why? Oh, because they did it in the Matrix and that everybody thought that was cool. <laughs> Really, I don't no, remember there's there's literally the no explanation as to why you would die <laughs> yeah. in the real world if you died in here. Like, yeah, that makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was there a first metaverse horror movie? No, there have been others. I guess Lawnmower I, Man is one of those. Yeah, I gotta say, I did enjoy ugly, like seeing ugly Harry Styles though. That was that was like a fun little touch. Like, I think he's playing with his persona, right? Is like, yeah. you know, I don't know. He, he's like a pretty boy, and like, uh-huh. uh, and then to see like, oh, oh, he's ugly because he has. He has a beard now. He you has know? a scraggly beard. He doesn't have a job. He's on Reddit all the time or whatever. It's like in those accent. Yeah. It's like watching like she's all that, you know, and like, <laughs> oh, like she actually, you know, takes off her glasses and lets down her ponytail and now she's beautiful. It's kind of like a similar, mm-hmm. like there's a kind of silly dynamic there, I think. But yeah. Um, anyway, any other thoughts on Don't Worry Darling as we wrap up here? I, w- uh, I wish it was more. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Wasted well, potential. Wasted potential. So wasted. It's, it's, yeah. But there's some there's some really cool stuff, and I actually, I actually thought that the moment when Harry Styles turns in his wife to mm-hmm. have her taken away, I guess to do yeah. whatever oh, the yeah. God does, that's a really powerful moment. Incredible, he's, he's crying. I'm sorry. He's crying, I'm sorry. And she she's like begging him to not do anything. But like, and then and then we learned that it was all, and, and then we learned it was all in the fictional simulation world. You know, yeah. Which just really, it's like, well, why do they even need to drag her away then? Why can't they just exactly. reprogram her? It doesn't make it. it yeah. What if you say, hey, it's all virtual? Yeah. Th- now it's like, well, you got you to gotta have some rules here because, <laughs> you know, you, your movie has been operating on a series of rules that now don't make any goddamn yeah, sense yeah. whatsoever. It's actually very Serenity-like in, in its mm. ter- in terms of like. It is Serenity. That's what the it rules. is. Yeah. 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 I, I, th- I think I saw a Letterboxd review that was like, I really enjoyed it when Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway took on this material years ago, you know, yeah. and it's like, it's it similar been, to that. Like it would have been a much, I think a much more powerful thesis statement, a much more powerful, uh, the, the concepts that they're dealing with would have landed yeah. better. If it literally was, you take a physical human being and you bring them out to the desert and you brainwash them into thinking that it's the 1950s again, it's that's a much more, that's a better, yeah. Yeah. Ex, uh, you know, expression of this, yeah, this idea. I think to this they, moment, I don't know why they didn't do that. I don't, I don't know why they didn't do it that way. I think a lot of people. We don't really talk about the village anymore, but that ending—that's a pretty good. That's yeah. a pretty good yeah. way of kind of blowing open that world. And I feel totally. like everyone's afraid of like feeling like, oh, we're just doing that again. You have to mm. be different, and this is different in a really dumb way. Mm-hmm. Really dumb. Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of the day, despite everything we have just said, it's still really impressive that Olivia Wilde made a movie. And you know what? Also. Heartbreak felt good in a place like that. (laughs) Was it the real place or was it the VR place? (laughs) I don't know. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from Varsity Blue and also The Midnight. Check out his bands. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Next week on the podcast, it's going to be Avatar. Because people yeah, throw down, you, you don't hear you don't hear all the time. Yeah, um, you guys haven't talked about Avatar enough. Yeah, uh, it's constantly we hear that. Constantly, people are yeah. like, "Why aren't you talking about Avatar more?" You guys, now you get your chance. The remaster and re-release is out in theaters. Go see it. We're gonna go see it. We're gonna talk about it. You will definitively lay to rest <laughs> our arguments. 
<laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sure we're never going to talk about it again. We're never going to talk about it. It's not like there are five more movies coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not like there's five more multi-billion-dollar films that are going to come after this. So, uh, anyway, that's going to do it for us this week on the Filmcast. We hope you will go check out the Avatar remaster, uh, which is out in theaters, and join us next week as we uh, make that our main discussion. This has been the Filmcast. We'll see you next week. Bye.